This is the Saturday Morning Serial Podcast with your host, Amanda Ann. Welcome to another episode of Saturday Morning Serial. I'm Amanda Ann, and I actually did want to apologize that I've kind of been MIA for the past three weeks. I did say I would be back this weekend, however, so good to be back. I hope you guys are all doing well. I know about three weeks ago, uh, Mike and I weren't feeling too hot, so that's why I had to cancel that episode. But I actually just recently got back from Disney World, and it was their 50th anniversary. And it was so much fun. I was a little worried because I haven't been there in two years that just seeing how things changed because of the pandemic and just all kinds of stuff. And actually going forward, the pandemic, I'm going to be using code words because YouTube does not like that word at all. It like flags it. It's weird, right? (laughs) But anyway, the parks were just so much fun. And it was even better because we were celebrating my mom's birthday and just to see her have fun and just overall enjoy herself was just such a great time and I even got her a cake and actually the highlight of my trip was riding Rise of the Resistance the new Star Wars ride at Hollywood Studios guys that ride is amazing and unfortunately it's like one of the hardest rides to get on we woke up before sunrise to we got to the park and we probably waited about like 30 minutes after we were allowed into the park but still the line was crazy so (laughs) highly recommend doing that first and yeah and then I rode Smuggler's Run which was the Millennium Falcon ride and that was awesome as well and Food and Wine Festival was going on and you know overall it was good you had to wear your masks indoors, which was not a problem for us, and it was just very relaxing, very much needed for the two of us, so, you know, Disney's changed, yeah, but we had a good time, and yeah, (laughs) and then this past weekend, Mike and I went to Indiana Comic Con, which is one of our favorite Comic Cons, we've been there before, and we met Dante Bosco and he's the voice of Zuko from the Avatar series and it was so nice he's such a cool down-to-earth guy and he actually him and I were talking about podcasting because him and the voice of Cora Janet Varney they have a podcast as well called Bending the Elements it's produced by Nickelodeon and you can probably find them on I know I follow them on Apple Podcasts so make sure you guys tune into them because especially if you're a big fan of the Avatar universe yeah he was just really cool down to earth and it was so much fun just to get back into the comic-con scene i bought some artwork artist alley is like my favorite part of comic-con just seeing all the fellow artists and supporting each other and it was just all in all a great vibe people were very nice and yeah it it went really fast these past two weeks just kind of I don't want to say getting back to normal because I don't think things will get back to normal for a little bit still. But it was nice to be able to thoroughly enjoy ourselves out and about now. So actually this week I know I said I was going to put out two episodes, What If and Last Night in Soho, but (laughs) stupid me, I didn't know Last Night in Soho comes out next week. I kind of got my weeks mixed up here because October has been so crazy for me. And 
So next week will be, uh, I will talk a little bit about Last Night in Soho. It's going to be Halloween next weekend, and me and my guests, we're going to be talking about our favorite Halloween movies. The new Halloween Kills is out, and I've heard excellent things about that, so we're going to be discussing that a little bit. So you don't want to miss our Halloween episode next week. Sit in your costume, eat some candy, <laughs> do whatever. But today, Mike and I are going to be talking about Disney Plus's series by Marvel, What If. It's an animated series featuring all the Avengers. And But before we begin, I do want to also say next weekend for the podcast, our Halloween episode too, I'm going to have a special announcement. So I'm kind of figuring out some details regarding the future of this podcast and how I want to like branch out and get more involved in the like content creating community. So as soon as I have these details worked out, I will have that announcement coming your way. So you don't want to miss it and please tune in and let's get started on this what if discussion. So Marvel's newest series is on Disney Plus. It's called What If and yeah that's basically the premise of the show is what if this happened or what if this person took this course of action etc. And it also came out in August and it ended like a few weeks ago so there are going to be spoilers we're going to kind of discuss because it has been marinating on Disney Plus for a couple weeks now so... Uh, but anyway, it is narrated by a character called The Watcher who oversees the different timelines of the multiverse and the characters we know and love all have a different life, personality, etc, etc in these different timelines. What If is directed by Brian Andrews and almost all the original actors are voicing their characters except for characters like uh, Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett Johansson, Chris Evans, and Brie Larson. And naturally, I was excited because Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth are coming back as Loki and Thor, voicing those two characters, and just seeing these characters we love come back, but just in a new view. Episode 1 is about Peggy Carter. It is titled, What If Captain Carter Were the First Avenger? And that's basically, the, the episode is what the title says. What if Peggy Carter was Captain America... But she also, she, it's interesting because she has like a British shield and she's almost like Captain UK or something. There is a comic book character called Captain Britain, but I think Marvel wants to save that for, for later. But they do call her Captain Carter. Yeah, and originally when we first started this show, I wasn't really that excited. I was just, naturally, I was excited for like the Thor and the Loki episodes <laughs> that came out. But, like, this first one, I was just kind of like, meh, about the series overall. And I'm not going to lie, I wasn't a huge fan of it in the first episode. I, I wasn't a big fan of the art style at first. I just thought it was kind of awkward, the way, like, the lip flap really didn't match the the audio. I, I don't know. But that was just, like, my opinion, just starting out in the show. For me, the biggest hurdle to get into the show was the fact that a lot of the likeness of the actors is kind of lost inside of the art style. Uh, it's like, um, just an example, like at the end of one of the, uh, at the end of the second episode, we meet Peter Quill, and I had no idea that that was supposed to be Star-Lord, Peter Quill, and I thought it was just some random dude working at <laughs> Dairy Queen. But 
Yeah. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the voice cast is from the original movie, and you know they they're great. They they all remember their roles really well, and they all slide into place. And this first episode is kind of just like it's a good pilot for the series because it does show just like the most basic example of what could happen if one thing did change in the course of the MCU through Captain Carter. So it is, it does show just one little effect, just branching out. But the problem for me with this episode, uh, what a lot of people have complained about, is the fact that it's just not different enough from the first Avenger movie. And other than Captain Carter being met with like sex sexism and dealing with all these woman women's issues, which it does seem like it takes a lot from Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman movie. Um, it's just the the plot remains the same regardless of what character was participating in it. Yeah, it was just basically the first Avenger. Just what if Peggy Carter received the serum and asked Steve Rogers, which Steve Rogers is in this episode. Yeah, he, he pilots this thing called the Hydra Stomper, and it's like a prototype Iron Man suit developed by Howard Stark. Yeah, and he's still, he's so small in it. It's so adorable. <laughs> I love, I love Skinny Steve, Small Steve. I, I, he's just, he's just really what makes the first Avengers movie work for me. I remember hearing that Chris Evans was the one who fought, like campaigned really strongly for the fact that he that Marvel wanted to have a different actor play Skinny Steve and have him just play the Super Soldier Steve and the fact that Chris Evans stood up and and fought to play Skinny Steve and we get such a great portrayal of Skinny Steve really really seals the deal on the first Avengers movie for me and what this episode doesn't have is that kind of oh wow look at this person just overcoming everything you know Captain Carter was already like a formidable person who who stood right next to Captain America, pretty much as an equal. And for her to get the super super soldier serum, she's kind of overpowered, and she really doesn't have that same character arc that Steve does. That really makes the first Avengers movie work. Yeah, she gets a lot of flack about being a woman. So, but anyway, we're actually gonna move on to episodes. Too. And speaking of Peter Quill and Dairy Queen <laughs> that Mike just mentioned, episode two is called What If T'Challa Became Star-Lord? So episode two is, again, what the title says is T'Challa was taken off Wakanda and became Star-Lord in Peter Quill, in what would be Peter Quill's place. And in this episode, we are met with a couple familiar faces. The Collector, who has a... <laughs> interesting transformation look to him and we actually have little baby soft thanos and i actually found myself rooting for thanos in this episode which is weird <laughs> what about you um it was really interesting to see the fact that t'challa had just become kind of like a superior star lord and it was just because of the fact that instead of like an arrogant like self-absorbed butthole like peter quill he's just this you know, he's kind of more like a, a political, like, ambassador-type character, and he really does like to sit people down and talk to them about what they're doing wrong or how, how they can improve. And he even gets 
to bad guy Thanos, and he transitions him into a pretty admirable person uh, in this episode. And it it's interesting to see just how better a Star-Lord T'Challa is versus Peter Quill, because it really does show that Peter Quill is really, as a, as a member of the Garden of the Galaxy, just... Just a dude. Just an asshole in a circle, as he would, as they would say. You're a dude. This is a man. That's my, one of my favorite lines from Avengers. And I, this was actually the episode two where I Nebula appeared, and I really liked her style, just the character design for Nebula in the series. I just like the color blue, and she was just really blue, and it was just like the different hues of blue that were used for her. I know I'm getting a little artistic. I, that's when I started kind of warming up to the animation style. But yeah, in the end, T'Challa is, I believe he's reunited. This episode was kind of long ago, so I'm trying to remember, but he is reunited to Wakanda. And then we do see Peter Quill chilling at Dairy Queen, <laughs> working. And that's the end of the episode. And just as a little side note too, these episodes are their own individual stories until a certain point. So episodes one and episode two, they're just kind of their own story. And then this leads into episode three, which is actually one of my most anticipated episodes. It's what if the world lost its mightiest heroes? And it's basically Avengers 2012, the first one. And Loki comes down to Earth and all the Avengers die. They die in these horrific freak accidents. Like the Hulk blows up. Yeah, all of, it basically takes place during the same week as Iron Man 2 and um, The Incredible Hulk and Thor. I, and all of the, the big Avengers, you know, Black Widow, Thor, Hulk, Iron Man, they all, they're all mysteriously killed and we're kind of very much lost at who the culprit is until... It kind of all comes together at the end. Yeah, and this episode is just great because, you know, you think Loki's the bad guy from the first Avengers, but no, because Thor actually gets killed, and he comes down to Earth to avenge Thor, and there's a very unlikely team-up between Loki and Nick Fury. That was awesome. <laughs> and another thing, too, is Black Widow, she has a lot of things to do in this whole series. We see her in multiple episodes and one thing again about the art style and I have to give credit to Grace Randolph for saying this because it's true she said that all the females do look the same in this series and I have to agree like they just have like a very distinguishable like they don't really look like the character I, I like Captain Marvel I don't think she looked like you know Brie Larson I do wonder if it does come down to the fact that because they didn't, they didn't get the voice that they couldn't use the likeness of the character, but that's that doubtful for me. Yeah, but it, even the sh the episode opens and it's Iron Man without Robert Downey Jr.'s voice, so that was like, okay, it's a little awkward because we're all used to him, but you know, these voice actors, they did pretty good overall. I have to applaud them and... It was great. It worked overall, and they sounded like them. It worked. The episode is just basically then, unfortunately, the Avengers meet their demise, and Loki and Nick Fury team up 
against this, like, villain that keeps taking everybody out. And it is Hank Pym. Yes, who's, tra- who's taken the moniker of Yellow Jacket, which he is known for from the comics. And he's like this evil Ant-Man who, who goes around shrinking and killing all the Avengers to get revenge for uh, Hope Van Dyne, his daughter who was killed. Yeah, see, I didn't know that at all. So I was really confused why he was the bad guy in this episode. But, you know, he's defeated and all's well. Maybe. I don't know. I think Loki has something scheming after the episode ends. But... Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, at the end of the episode, you kind of see Loki and Nick Fury team up for just a second before Loki's just like, you know, you are kind of defenseless right now, so... I'm just going to march my Asgardian soldiers down here and we're just going to, you know, take over the world. Oh, yeah, because he was president at the, or he was in the UN. I forgot about that part. Yeah, that was awesome because we're like, oh, is that the President Loki variant? <laughs> but anyway, we're now this leads into episode four, which is what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? And I think between me and Mike, this was probably our favorite episode, hands down. This is when the series really sucked us in, I think. So this episode, again, what the title says, but Doctor Strange loses Christine in a car accident. And he is desperate to do anything to get her back and undo the accident. And to the point where it's like manic the way he wants her back. And the Ancient One basically splits him into two people, right? Yeah, Doctor Strange, his motive for becoming the Sorcerer Supreme is is changed up and he has to basically learn the mystic arts to bring Christine back to life. So using the Time Stone, he's able to go back in time and try to prevent her death. But over and over and over through the course of hundreds of attempts, she's just fated to die and there's nothing he can do about it. So basically, it gets so bad that the what the uh, the ancient one intervenes, and she has to split Doctor Strange up into two different entities, so that he's not powerful enough to break a fixed point in time. So we get base we get a Doctor Strange that we're we're familiar with, you know, a good guy with his red cape, and we get this evil sorcerer supreme doctor strange with his like evil black cloak so um through the course of the episode evil doctor strange basically goes into the deepest darkest corners of magic and he learns how to break this fixed point and it's done by going to this library and studying with uh a new master i believe Mm -hmm. like this librarian type character Mm -hmm. and the dark dimension yeah, the Dark Dimension. And he basically Pokemon battles his way up to, like, a level 100 Sorcerer Supreme by fighting all these different monsters and absorbing their experience and their abilities. Um, it's actually really quite frightening what kind of creature he's become at the end of the episode because he's just an amalgamation of all these different uh, witchcraft and, and uh, Lovecraft uh, monsters. Um, so after he does this, he does go back to that time where, Chris, that point in time where Christine dies. 
and he has to fight himself to basically absorb his other half so he's powerful enough to break this fixed point in time. So he does overcome his former good self and he does break this fixed point in time. But by doing that, he causes some type of grandfather paradox. And the fact that Christine never dies creates the fact that he never becomes Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. So the universe just breaks and Christine is brought back to life in just long enough to see this monster of a man, Doctor Strange. And the whole universe basically collapse upon itself. Uh, despite the Watcher's warning. So, Doctor Strange is basically only able to save himself inside of this, like, pocket dimension, and he's kind of trapped in there. But at the end, the Watcher does see him and decide to speak to him, because there's really no way the Watcher could have risked saving this universe because it would have put all the others in jeopardy. So this is kind of like the first time Watcher kind of intervenes inside of the what if. Yeah, the first the first time the characters interact with the Watcher because the Watcher is just kind of chilling in the background a lot, and finally he's getting involved with the characters. And yeah, it's a good battle between good and evil Doctor Strange. But evil Doctor Strange is so powerful and so scary, like you. The Doctor Strange we know and love, he's powerful enough, but this guy, who don't he? <laughs> and he actually makes another appearance in this series, so, you know, don't forget about him. <laughs> but now we're going to go on to episode five, which is What If Zombies? This was a wild one. <laughs> Basically, it's, it is, again, what the title says is there's a couple Avengers and they return to Earth and there's a zombie apocalypse going on. And it's Hope Van Dyne, Bruce Banner, Peter Parker, and the Cloak of Levitation. <laughs> Don't forget about Bucky and Happy and T'Challa. And who else shows up here? Was Sharon Carter in it? I don't remember that. Yeah, Sharon Carter was in it. Yeah, she does return. Yeah. Plus, we get Okoye. Oh, yes. yeah, Okoye. Yeah, yeah, that was good. I was glad Everyone's she came favorite back. Starbucks-loving Wakandan. Yeah. Forgot about her, too. But just, you know, a bunch of random characters from each of the franchises. <laughs> they're all united, and they're the only ones standing, and everyone is a zombie. They're trying to... That, it's basically, that's what they're doing this whole entire episode, is just getting away from zombies. And, like... Steve is a zombie, Iron Man's a zombie, and they, you know, a couple of the characters that are standing, they get bitten, and they turn into zombies, and there's actually a mastermind behind, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, what he does in the background. Um, well, the mastermind behind this kind of, like, booby trap is actually Vision and Scarlet Witch. And what mm -hmm. Vision is doing is that he's projecting his Mind Stone signal, and it kind of, uh, neglects the, the zombie senses, so the zombies aren't aware of what's going on. Plus, it can potentially cure the zombie infection. So, the, the remaining heroes all decide to hop on this train and they go to this base mm -hmm. and they meet Vision. And Vision isn't 
the heroic, self-sacrificing android humanoid that we know him to be in this. He's mm-hmm. kind of very much a tragic lover. Yeah, he's harboring Scarlet Witch, Wanda, as a zombie, like, behind closed doors. He doesn't want her to get hurt or whatever. And I think he knows that these guys are out to get help from him. But if they find out that he's harboring a zombie, they'll kill her. And I think he said something along the lines of, too, like he wanted to attract them to the base so he, they, he could feed them to her, right? Yeah, it's it's messed up. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. It's messed up. Um. You kind of see T'Challa limping around with, like, one leg and one arm, and you know that he's been fed to Scarlet Witch. Oh, and who else makes an appearance? Our favorite shrinking hero. Paul Rudd. Now, who's now just a head, Futurama style. (laughs) The way they just, like, spun the chair around, and it's just his head going, Hey, guys! (laughs) I haven't seen Paul Rudd do a lot of voice acting. In fact, I can't even recall... Polarod as a voice actor, but just the the gravitas and the humor he brings to just lending his voice to this character, it's it's really great. Um, we do get to see uh, Ant-Man and Cloaky, as it's been dubbed, or Capey from Doctor Strange's Cloak uh, team up, and they kind of form this, like, floating head team, <laughs> and it, it's great. This is the episode, too, where Peter gets the cloak as well. Yes. It's been dubbed Zombie Hunter Spider-Man. Yeah. But he really doesn't hunt any zombies. The zombies hunt him. Yeah, it's just like a team-up that you never thought would happen. It would, like, just Peter Parker, Bruce Banner. So, after, after loads of sacrifices and our cast is kind of dwindled down by the zombies... Mm-hmm. Um, Vision does come to his senses and he does give them the Mind Stone so that they can go to Wakanda and broadcast the Mind Stone signal in a hope to cure the zombie outbreak. Unfortunately, this episode does play does take place in the same time as Infinity War. Mm-hmm. So, knowing that the episode started with Bruce Banner showing up in New York, warning of Thanos coming, and him being completely sidetracked by this zombie apocalypse, they head out to Wakanda, only to (laughs) apparently meet a full zombified Infinity Stone-powered... Thanos. Thanos. Which... That's frightening. I don't think that's, that's that big of a deal, because Thor's about to show up with, like, half of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's gonna have Stormbreaker with him. Um, he's just gonna basically kill Thanos, but we don't know, we don't see that play out, so we don't know what essentially happens to this universe. But wait, okay, so zombies, like, almost, I would say 95% of folks still, like, on this planet are zombies, or whatever. So if, Z- if Thanos, zombie Thanos snaps the gauntlet, like, they're already dead. You, you making right? the mistake of thinking zombie Thanos would have the same goals as regular Thanos, oh, which he probably would. He would probably would want to make more people. He would probably want to double the population so he could eat more people. Or make everyone alive again. Uh, doubtful. 
<laughs> I, I mean, think he just wants to eat more people. Yeah. He's knowing, a big dude. Knowing Thanos, he needs his daily protein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So episode six is what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? And actually, this title isn't what it seems. Killmonger is, as we all know, he's very shady. He stabs people in the back. That's basically what this episode's about. And Tony takes Killmonger under his wing and gives him all these privileges and all this fun, lavish lifestyle stuff. But in total, Killmonger will just stab Tony in the back. Um, so yes, Killmonger does show up at the very beginning of the first Iron Man movie and basically saves Tony Stark's life. So Tony Stark is never captured by the Ten Rings and he's never endowed with the lesson that his weapons hurt people that are good. So after Killmonger saves Tony Stark, they go back to this Stark mansion and they uncut... Killmonger uncovers this whole plot by uh, Obadiah Stane to kill Tony Stark and overthrow his his corporation and take all of his money and sell his weapons to more terrorists. So that whole plot, Iron Man 1, goes out the window and instead Killmonger starts scheming and he basically gets Tony's trust to the point where Tony hands over his like most powerful weapon to Killmonger and Killmonger just just kills Tony Stark and heads right over to Wakanda with this mm -hmm. new weapon waiting for his opportunity to now overthrow the Wakandan government yeah he kills T'Challa and becomes the new Black Panther to actually Shuri she was pretty good in this episode and then we actually have an unlikely team up of Shuri and Pepper Potts so that was cool Interesting, but cool. The two of them, they try to just expose Killmonger, and, uh, yeah. They're very much unsuccessful. Yeah. Um, the episode does kind of end open-ended, and we don't get really a conclusion of what happens, but T'Challa, I mean, Killmonger does basically become the new king of Wakanda, and, uh... Yeah, that's that's the end. It's kind of really open-ended, kind of non-conclusive. Yeah, to tell you the truth, guys, this was kind of like my least favorite episode. I don't know. Yeah, I really it, like it. Just ended, and it yeah. was it was kind of all over the place, and it, it has to go so fast because it's only half an hour. Like this, really would have benefited from a part two, or maybe just another ten, fifteen minutes. Yeah, I agree. They crunched a lot in just thirty minutes, and I think that's why I wasn't I wasn't following it uh, really well because it was like you know he was with Tony, and then all of a sudden he's in Wakanda. Like I just it, it went so fast, I, I had trouble following it. So, but anyway, that was that episode, and now episode seven, which is my favorite one, which is what if Thor were an only child. And again, this episode was pretty much what the title says, and is Odin gave Loki back to Luffy, and the events of this takes place, I think, around Thor 1. We got Jane Darcy back, and then Thor, he's just a party animal, he comes down to Earth, and he just starts, like, these raves, and <laughs> it's just so funny. The parties take over Earth, and it's just so bad that the government is like, what's going on and 
Jane and Thor do meet, just like in the first one, they fall in love, but Thor is overall just like this hey man type of guy, and all he likes to do is party, he likes to eat, he likes to drink, and it's funny, I think, is the Guardians of the Galaxy in this one too? Like we see Nebula, Gamora, Drax, at least, I think those three, and Loki comes down too, and he's a frost giant. He's got a bunch of frost giant buddies. And it's funny because Tom Hiddleston calls Chris Hemsworth a brother from another mother. (laughs) And that they really took that to another level in this episode where Loki and Thor are actually best friends. (laughs) And Loki's just like, you're my brother from another mother, man. And Loki's just very like hang 10 type of guy too in this. And S.H.I.E.L.D., they want Thor to just like calm the parties down. And they want him dead, Amanda. Yeah, I don't like saying it. I guess it's Thor, but I, I see, okay, I'm not a big Jane fan. You know, everyone knows that. But I, it, it kind of furthered the thing for me in this episode. I was, I was not a fan of Jane, and I like Darcy, but I didn't. I wasn't nuts about Darcy in this. I feel like they just made her a little too extra. I don't know. I, what do you think? Yeah, taking these characters out there outside of their like well the first Thor movie is basically Hamlet mm-hmm. and Hamlet Lion King so taking them out of that familiar space and putting them in, in a new environment is exciting but they're just kind of like there and Jane only contributes to the fact that she doesn't get to do any cool science things she doesn't get to explore Asgard or discover Thor's mythology and science, he just kind of tattletales on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and S.H.I.E.L.D.'s response to Thor being, basically taking over the world and making everyone party, is to summon Captain Marvel. Um, we do get a, we do get a great battle between Captain Marvel and Thor, and I've always wondered who would kind of win if they squared up. But it's kind of left at an even tie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Captain Marvel puts him in his place. And then they call Frigga. <laughs> I thought that was so fun. They, you know, Jane calls Frigga and she has to come down to Earth and get her son. And, you know, Thor is just like this typical, like, teenage guy that if he did something bad, he's trying to hide it from his mother. And ultimately, that's what makes him stop is calling Frigga. So it doesn't matter, like, the fight between Captain Marvel and Thor. Frigga's the one that's in charge and can really... And so Jane did think of that. Jane's like, oh, yeah, we have to call his mom. And the the one part where I was just... I I wasn't nuts of was when she summoned Humdall and they brought her to Frigga. It was weird. She was just like, what kind of wine is that? I didn't, didn't like that. But overall, this episode, as just, like, a fan of Thor and Loki, especially... I always thought that Marvel forgot about that Loki's a frost giant from Thor 1. So it was really nice to just see them explore frost giant Loki more. And just seeing Thor and Loki in a new light. And just being bros. It was such a great episode for me. I know a lot of people didn't like it. But, you know, I'm a little biased because I just love those two. (laughs) For me, it was um, kind of like everything going on was kind of not really as fun to watch as the characters were. 
But Thor really essentially doesn't act any different than he does in, like, Ragnarok. Yeah. Like, he's just a fun party guy, and he really hasn't changed, and he's not that... He's not exceedingly different from the Thor that we already know, except he hasn't lost his dad and his brother and his friends and mm-hmm. all those people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I understand. I understand the... Uh... People, other people's opinions about it. I, I get it. So, at the end of this episode, though, we do get some finally some conclusive. Well, we get more of like a tease mm. for what's going to come. We do get yeah. to see Ultron Vision to show up out of nowhere with his robot army. Yeah, Jane and Thor kind of wrap things up at the end, and Thor's just like, "Oh, everything's going to be fine now." And then there's just this android in the desert and it you think it's vision but no it's ultron with infinity stones in vision's body so that sets up the last two episodes of the series and like i said earlier this is where then it's just more wrapping up everything into one big plot line over two episodes so the watcher like i said he just kind of relaxes chills in the background but he really gets involved and he becomes very important in these next two episodes because Ultron, he is crazy in these episodes. Well, Ultron's goal was to wipe out the Avengers and replace all sentient life on Earth with the with the robotic Ultron bots. And he does succeed in this mission minus Black Widow and Hawkeye, who... Basically, only two people left alive at this point. So, Hawkeye and Black Widow are on their quest to basically find a way to give Ultron a virus. Mm -hmm. And they travel to the secret underground Hydra base from Captain America, the Winter Soldier, um, where Steve Rogers was born. Captain America was born, even though he really wasn't born there. Um... (laughs) They go there and they meet uh, Ol- Zoloff? Zoloff. Zola. They meet Zola. Zoloff does medication. <laughs> they meet Zola there and they realize that Zola will act as sort of a kryptonite to Ultron and he will be able to take over Ultron and, and destroy him from within. So Hawkeye is able to upload Zola into his arrow and they are able to... Uh, get it inside the eye of an Ultron bot, up, thus uploading it to the Ultron hive mind. What the problem is, is that Ultron's really not inside of that universe at all, and he's outside of the range of the Ultron hive mind. And you're wondering, well, where the heck is Ultron? Mm-hmm. Turns out Ultron's going around to other planets um, and conquering. You know, killing mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, going around, killing the, the Guardians of the Galaxy, um, he's Ego, just... the living planet, he's gone, like, he's wiping out everything. Yeah. And he collects his final Infinity Stone from Thanos, who he just lasers in half, like nothing. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, I couldn't believe that. Like, Ultron at the, like, Ultron in this episode... And then the following episode is the biggest threat the MCU has ever seen. And I'm so surprised that they 
they would tell it in like an hour-long storyline yeah. on a cartoon. So after Ultron basically conquers this universe, this timeline, he branches out and he starts going into the multiverse and he's hopping around in different multiverses. And this is where the Watcher's like, oh shit, mm -hmm. this guy is coming and he's coming for me. Because Ultron, with the awareness of the Infinity Stones, is able to see the Watcher. Mm -hmm. And they have a pretty a pretty great fight. Yeah. They're pretty evenly matched. Yeah, and just when Ultron just overtakes the Watcher, I was just like, well, now what? Like, what's going to happen now? Guess who comes? Dark Doctor Strange. Yes. Um, Dark Doctor Strange. He is the strongest... Avenger, I think I've ever seen. <laughs> he, but basically, yeah, he is recruited by the Watcher, and they assemble the Avengers that consists of Peggy Carter, Party Thor, Star Lord T'Challa, Gamora, randomly that came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, we can actually explain this. Uh, this is a casualty of the, um, the, uh, the pandemic where. They were going to make 10 episodes, I believe, and they just cut one. Oh, and, okay. Um, I mean, they could have cut, I think they could have cut episode three, I think, and I would have been fine with that, but they, uh, they did cut this episode where Gamora and Tony Stark are on Sakaar, and they fight the Grandmaster, and Tony builds this, like, Hulk buster... Sakarian armor and Gamora develops this infinity stone oh, okay. I crusher. I, yeah, I think I read that. So hopefully season two has that. So yeah, so they so the Watcher does assemble this this team of multiversal Avengers and he decides to go fight Ultron on his home turf. Mm -hmm. uh, let's just talk a moment about like this episode eight here because it. Mm -hmm. it Episode eight and nine. Eight and nine. Yeah. Well, they're well, kind just of together. They're kind of a two part, but episode eight specifically was for me when the show really set up the stakes and the stakes really felt real, like because you knew that the Avengers that you loved in our timeline, their their lives were at stake because of how big this threat was. Mm -hmm. uh, it was so good seeing Black Widow really at the best. At one of her best um, in this episode, kind of leading, being the beacon of hope that she is, and kind of leading humanity to its its uh, final push at survival. Mm -hmm. uh, it was super cool too, seeing Clint with like a robotic arm oh, yeah. and this like <laughs> infinity and uh, the invisibility cloak, of all things. Um, and seeing him at a really desperate point to the fact where you could see how this guy who would lose everything could become Ronin or yeah I I really I really enjoyed episode eight a lot and it was it's one it's one of the top three for me mm -hmm. yeah like I said episode eight and nine it's just basically a continuation of a story and it equals an hour to wrap up the show tell the story of Ultron and also just wrap it up and yeah, that's basically these new, I'm just going to call them like the new Avengers. I don't know. What if Avengers? <laughs> they are, they all, 
they are called the Guardians of the Multiverse by the Watcher. Okay. But yeah, they fight Ultron and it's, oh god, Doctor Strange just, he summons like the craziest mystical animals out of the, I don't know, it was like some beast or whatever, that was crazy. Black Widow was actually pretty good in the fight as well, she joins them and the, I think Doctor Strange, they, he also brings in the zombies from the previous episode and yeah, and they think they get Ultron eventually, but Ultron's like, surprise, I'm in other multiverses, other timelines, and they're just like, oh my god, like, what do we have to do? But eventually they do come through and they do get, and, and Killmonger is actually in the Avengers as well here as Black Panther. So he helps them, but once again, he's shifty. He is shady. After they do defeat Ultron, the Avengers are kind of left with all six Infinity Stones and Killmonger does make a grab for them. Uh, at least temporarily. But not for long because Zola's like, hey, give me the Infinity Stones. And him and Killmonger, they fight. And eventually Doctor Strange is like, this is so... No, stop it, you guys. And he kind of like encloses them in like a pocketed dimension for them to just like duke it out elsewhere. So it doesn't like affect the multiverse. So that's that. He kind of just like, you know bundled it up in a little bag and threw it away <laughs> and then he returned all the avengers to their respective timelines party thor peggy carter etc but black widow she's the last man standing on her timeline everyone's dead and he plops her down in a different timeline which is during like a regular avengers fight I... it's actually during episode three Oh, is it? It's the episode where uh, Loki conquered the Avengers with uh, Asgard, with his uh, Asgardian army, and the Watcher kind of just drops Black Widow inside of that uh, timeline dimension, and she's able to just kind of swiftly take out Loki and mm -hmm. uh, resume order. Yeah, Loki's like, I thought you were dead, and Black Widow's like, I thought I was dead too, or something like that, or I can't remember, but... At the end, Nick Fury is just like, you know, you may not be our, or like the Black Widow of now, but overall you're our Black Widow. So that was a very nice ending, especially the events of Endgame. I feel like fans were just very like, oh, like during that part. So yeah, and then that's the end of the series. And then we do have an end credit scene of Peggy Carter. So it's setting up, there is a season two coming. I don't know when. I don't remember. I think it's like 2022, 2023 maybe. But there is a Disney Plus day coming out in November, so next month. And I'll be curious to see what like Marvel has to drop on the platform besides other Disney content that I'm looking forward to. So, we'll see when a date if if we get a date for this. So, yeah. So Amanda, um, a lot of these, some of these characters are rumored to show up in live action. Who are you looking forward to seeing potentially come into the mainline Marvel universe and play around a little bit? Dark Doctor Strange, hands down. I want to see Benedict Cumberbatch just like take that character and just darken him 
Oh, I can't even imagine what that would be like. And then, like, the special effects Marvel would give us with that, too. Like, the fr- those Doctor Strange, like, the first Doctor Strange, and I know Multiverse of Madness is going to be insane with the special effects and the CGI, so they would really amp their game up, I feel like, for a dark Doctor Strange thing. So that would definitely be a character I'd like to see right now. Multiverse of Madness is supposed to be a borderline horror movie, so mm-hmm. hopefully we do get an appearance by some of the characters from this show. But I'm, I'm with a man. I really do want to see uh, a Dark Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. He is just really cool and really creepy at the same time. And see, I didn't say Party Thor because I feel like we're going to get that in Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> so, I mean, that movie just looks lit so much. There's so many people in it. A lot of, I think there's just going to be a lot of neon, a lot of... It looks a little bit too busy to me, yeah. but I'll, I'll withhold my judgment. Yeah. Regardless, I'm excited. I love Taika. I love Taika's work with Ragnarok, so we'll see what he does with Love and Thunder. I can't wait for Lady Sif to come back. She's one of my favorites, so... But yeah, Dark, dark Doctor Strange, I think, would be amazing. I would also like to see kind of like a Walking Dead marvel avengers like zombies with paul rudd's head (laughs) just floating around (laughs) um i really would love to see captain carter make the jump from animation to live action uh you know i really think that there needs to be more like more women in the marvel universe who are heroes and Captain Carter is a favorite among a lot of fans, and she had her own show that was airing for two seasons, and she had a short film, and she made an appearance in all three of the Captain America movies. Um, She's just a great character, and we need to see this version of her coming to live action. Yeah. And I know I mentioned uh, with some previous guests in uh, in a previous episode, too, it's nice that some of these characters, female characters, uh, especially I love Sylvie from the Loki series and like Lady Sif and Captain Marvel. They don't have like their costumes, their suits are, they're nothing race. There's nothing racy to them. And it's not like a stereotypical, like, like Wonder Woman. She's got like a mini skirt and, you know, kind of voluptuous in, you know, a certain area. And that's what I feel like Marvel is kind of steering away from and making like, hey, you know, a woman can get in a Captain America suit, no problem. So that's what I enjoy. Uh, yeah, and Haley Atwell will probably have to put on like 40 pounds of muscle because animated Captain Carter is just... Mm, she's rough. ripped. She's huge. Um, like, 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 what, like when people were first reacting to... Gal Gadot being cast as Wonder Woman, they all said, oh, she's too skinny. Like, Wonder Woman should be, like, an MAA fighter body type. But, yeah, Captain Carter, she could she could be big. And, like, she's, like, nearly six, seven feet tall. <laughs> like, she's, like, perfect because she gets the, the fighter rays from the uh, Super Soldier Serum. Mm-hmm. So I really would love to see Haley Atwell, like, get big and just beat the the snot out of people. Well, that's what Natalie Portman has done for to be Lady Thor. 
So she's got some arms going on, some arm muscle. <laughs> I mean, she has to compete with Chris Hemsworth. Oh, yeah. And Chris Hemsworth is just... Better her than me. It's just muscles with a head and charisma. So, yeah, some she's got to the... look like an equal to him. So I don't think anybody could be an equal to Chris Hemsworth. You look at his Instagram and those arms. I mean, oh my God, like, boy. <laughs> So, Mike, what would you like to see in season two of What If? I mean, I know we covered, like, where did Gamora come from? Maybe get a little more Guardians of the Galaxy. Get some badass Gamora in there. That's, like, my opinion. But what what, would you, what do you want? Oh, my goodness. I would love to see... It would probably take, like, three episodes to tell, but I would love to see a What If the other half of the Avengers were snaps. Oh! I would love to see uh, Spider-Man, T'Challa, um, Hope Van Dyne, um, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange, Star Lord. I'd love to see all of them have to come up with a plan to fight Thanos. Groot. And um, I wonder if they would go back and t- I wonder how they would do it because they don't have Ant Man because Ant Man would have been gone. So yeah. how how would they have conquered Thanos, or would it even be possible to conquer Thanos with without Ant Man? Doctor Strange told Tony, "There's only one solution." But that was just in their timeline. Yeah, there are, it's possible that there are other timelines, other multiverses where things are a little bit different. Uh, that's that would be a that'd be number one for me. Well, I feel like fans that would be like one of the first things fans would want. If, if Marvel was just like, what do you want to see in a what-if episode? Like, the fans, you decide. And I feel like the majority of them... Will, and I know people talk about, like, what if it was reversed? Like, you know, Spider-Man didn't go and Tony went. Or, you know, like that. So that's very interesting to think about. So you guys sleep on that. And let us know in the comments what you think. <laughs> Who would, like, without Ant-Man... How would they do it? Ant-Man and his faithful rat that pressed that button on that van (laughs) so that he could be brought back from the quantum realm. Uh, Just everyone loves that Paul Rudd. Maybe everyone in this room. Paul Rudd is our Lord. Maybe more of us than others. Paul Rudd is our Lord and Savior. (laughs) Do you have time to talk about our Lord and Savior, Paul Rudd? (laughs) So without further ado, that is it for this week's episode. Like I said... Please tune in for our fun Halloween episode next week. It's going to be very exciting. I love scary movies. I love Halloween. Halloween is my holiday. So you don't want to miss that. And like I said, I have some pretty exciting things planned. And I'm going to drop an announcement on just like the future of like this podcast and just content creating in general. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's just the podcast, but just on YouTube. I know my parents rather listen to this on YouTube, so, but if you want to go ahead and subscribe there, there could be some surprises in the future. So anyway, I thank you guys for tuning in and I will talk to you next week.